what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Rappin' with Refum. I'm your host Keith Berkelhammer and today on our show my guest is Chris Turnier who is the web manager at Worldwide Corals. Welcome Chris man, thank you for uh, joining us. Thank you Keith, I, I really appreciate it. This is uh, this is kind of fun, this is going to be a fun time I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll um, hopefully get a lot of folks that will be uh, tuning in and 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 as per usual everybody feel free to put your comments in the chat take some questions as usual i have a uh, a lot of questions myself but this is going to be kind of a a different conversation because chris is the web manager we're not going to really be kind of digging in in terms of the uh you know best uh you know water parameters and calcium reactors and nutrient export and all that stuff we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about the business side in terms of what uh you know worldwide corals does and you know what what chris is responsible for and i'm going to kind of like leave it up to uh to chris to uh, to explain all that in terms of what his day-to-day -day is i know we were just talking before the live stream there uh, chris and you get uh, you get in there pretty early and and usually you're not uh, out of there until uh well probably until after the stream is done and and uh, that that is a long day a lot going on there huh yeah, there's a lot. There's a there's a ton. There's a ton that happens here at, at Worldwide. So we have so many facets to what we do um, that it's that it's uh, yeah it's 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 a lot to take you know to take in to make sure that it all functions properly, you know from the retail side to the aquaculture side to the web side to you know to the design that we do. Um, it's there's a there's a whole there's a whole lot of stuff um, that needs to needs to happen on a, you know, on a daily basis, uh, to, to make sure that we're, we're running as efficiently as possible. So we're getting some folks, uh, commenting, uh, seeing Sane Reefer is, uh, in the house, Gandhi Damron, Trevor King. What's up folks? The Herm 14, uh, Peter T congrats on the news with BRS. I don't even know what that means, but I, I think I have a, a feeling what that means. So, uh, talk about that. I think next week, <laughs> I got to stay up on this stuff here. I think they had a live stream BRS did and, and uh, talked about some changes and, and what have you. Um, Trevor King, when is the best time to buy acros from Worldwide Corals live sales? All right, we're already starting to get some questions there for you, Chris, in terms of uh, best time to buy. Uh, probably any time, right? Any time is a good time. But, yeah, if you're looking for deals and you're fast, you're, you know, you're quick on the trigger, um, then, yeah, absolutely, live sale. Uh, is a great time. I mean, heck, tomorrow, my my chair is stuck there, as you probably saw a moment ago. But um, yeah, tomorrow actually we have a a, a little live uh, flash sale going up on Reef to Reef, so that's kind of cool. Plug little plug, little um, you know plug. We gotta you know we gotta make sure that we do the, these sales. But um, but yeah, absolutely. If you're quick on the trigger and you know how the live sale works, and they're it's a fantastic way to get our accuracy. Well, I, I, I want to dig a little bit more uh, deeper into the live sale aspect of it there, Chris. So we'll uh, sure. we'll definitely do that. But man, t talk to us about how you uh, you kind of got into this whole business. What's what's been uh, your reef keeping journey here that, that led you to oh, uh, where you're at right now? Uh, it started. I have a I have actually a degree in aquaculture. Uh, from Humboldt State University in Northern California. Um, I've always been into the ocean, always been diving. Um, I've always, uh, you know, I used to spearfish. I used to catch lobster uh, in Southern California where I grew up, um, fishing, so on and so forth. And that just kind of led me to um, getting into the marine sciences. And I, I graduated with a degree um, in uh, aquaculture. 
and that kind of led to a uh, me working, moving to southern, back down to Southern California from Northern, northern California, and then um, working for a wholesaler, which eventually there was a guy that was in that wholesaler, um, a guy named Eric Silverman, and he was the one who actually started this company called Flying Fish Express. Yeah. And this was started. I think in 97, 90, 97, so 96. And um, he actually originally had a, a pet store up in uh, the Bay Area, uh, up in a, an area called Blackhawk. And he had this amazing pet store way back in the day. It was all black. And everything in that shop was black except for the tanks, which were lit up. So it was nice. it was well beyond, well beyond his time. And uh, But he then sold that and opened this online, this new burgeoning online business called Flying Fish Express. And I was his, uh, basically I was his first employee uh, right out of, uh, right out of college. And um, so we grew that over the next several years um, where we um, went from two employees, him and I, and then my wife came on, uh, my wife, Christine, she, she came on. And then we started adding employees, and we got to up to twenty-one employees by night by two thousand and three, I think it was. Um, no, I'm sorry, two thousand and one. My dates are so long ago. I'm starting to get the dates mixed up. But we started doing all sorts of things. We were doing um, collectors page. We started doing uh, what you see is what you get. We started doing all sorts of uh, crazy stuff that really hadn't been done before. Um, and, uh, we used to go to all the wholesalers because we were located right in Southern California in right, right in the Los Angeles area. We start, we went to, um, SDC, we went to Pacific Aqua Farm. No, sorry, not Pacific Aqua Farms. Uh, cause it what didn't exist at that time. Q quality Marine underwater world. Um, all the wholesalers. And if, yeah. All the wholesalers in, in LA and what we were doing is we were going to those locations and purchasing, um, purchasing these these the animals that we you know the corals that we needed or the uh it was actually more so fish back then um and invertebrates um some corals some anemones some corals but not too many that wasn't the focus back then it just you just it didn't exist we didn't have the lighting back but even back in those days other than big um you know sodium halides that would burn everything yeah. um, and uh so we started um i started going uh doing that and we grew to a point where we got our own our own facility um, in on Hendry Avenue um, next to uh, a guy named Leck. Um, I can't remember Aquarium Warehouse. I think it was called back in the day. Um, he had this massive, like ten thousand gallon shark tank and wow. so on and so forth. Um, but that was you know that was a separate. But he was right next door, so we go over him and get some stuff, and and then we would start. Um, uh, people would send in their orders and we would go out and jobbing. So we would go to all these different wholesalers and purchase what we needed for the day and then bring that back um, and then distribute them throughout the orders that we, you know, that we got through the orders that were generated on the, on the, on the site. Um, so it was, it was a, it was a pretty cool thing and it lasted for a while and then it got bought up by pets.com. Pets.com. Pets, pets.com. I don't know if you remember the puppet. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sure. Dog. Yeah. And they, um, it didn't last very long, but, uh, it was, uh, uh, it, it was something, I think they went bankrupt within like six months or something because they had all these, um, you know, all these investors and it just didn't, there's no way it could ever, you know, be able to, 
um, sustain um, sustain the, the numbers that they promised. It was during that dot com, you know, the dot com splash. Yeah. And so that got sold, and and then I left and went uh, to um, Colorado and worked uh, out. I, it was the only time, really, actually, within the last 25 years that I've been out of the industry. I actually worked for a chemical analysis company. Mm-hmm. Then while I was doing the chemical analysis, um, uh, Walt Smith actually hit me up. And said, "Hey, do you want to do? Uh, do you want to do um, a venture together?" So we started this uh, venture um, called Reefer Madness, and that was started in two thousand and. I was going to ask you about Reefer Madness. I was going to. I was trying yeah. to like figure out the timeline in terms of the Flying Fish Express and Reefer Madness. So that yep. came after. Yep. Yep. It came after. Yeah, because Flying Fish Express was sold to um, uh, another company, and then that company actually sold it to Pets Warehouse, which then became Live Aquarium. Right. But I went a different route, and I didn't stick around long enough, and I went to, you know, to Colorado and then started uh, Reefer Madness with Vault, um, and we were getting uh, corals directly imported from Fiji, and that was uh, yeah, 2000 and 2002, I believe. Um, and then uh, that lasted for four or five years, and then we um, uh, and grew that. You know, I got up to I think seven seven employees. I think my wife also, uh, Christine, she also worked with me there. She was basically office manager, and um, you know, owner slash office manager. And then um, we got we moved from Pacific. We were located inside of Pacific Rocker Farms, and then we got our own facility uh, right near All Seas Marine. Yep. And Torrance, and then um, we um, we basically sh- almost strictly what you see is what you get. We had several large raceways. It was pretty cool. We had an 18 foot raceway, 18 foot by six foot wide by two feet deep, and it was amazingly difficult to um, uh, amazingly difficult to uh, to um, maintain because of its size. Uh, but it was a blast. We had thousand watt bulbs over these uh, these race one raceway had one thousand watt bulbs. Um, and then another raceway had 400 uh, watt halides over it, and then we had another uh, raceway with live rock. And it was it was a pretty cool thing. And then we started naming, uh, we started finding colonies that would do better than others, and we started holding on to them, and then starting to grow them, and then starting to cut them, and then starting to name them, and then you know the lineage, whole lineage thing, which was which which was pretty cool. Um, we actually there's still some frags even around today that carry that same oh, reefer really? madness way back in the day um so um but yeah so that was kind of cool I, I, and then I just, we, if I, you don't mind me interjecting i used to buy uh oh, i used to buy coral after uh, you know on on uh, reefer madness i i bought uh, i mean that was like the thing years ago yes. was like you would you know have these beautiful wild colonies that you would put in your reef tanks it wasn't like about frags it was having these big nope. beautiful colonies and reefer madness was kind of like the forefront i the forerunner really in terms of like the online WYSIWYG game out there and and uh yeah it was like the best thing since sliced bread you know <laughs> yeah it was it was crazy actually i remember specifically that people would get actually upset with us if we if they ever found a branch that might have been cut off because they felt that um their colony was being uh violated per se that you might cut off a frag that to grow it um 
and and they were they were adamant i can't remember how many times i heard that like you can't you know you can't cut my colony it's gonna <laughs> you're gonna you know you're gonna decimate it's gonna have problems it's gonna die um so on you know so on and so forth so but yeah, it was it was uh, it was a blast, and because of those thousand watt, they were a thousand watt helios bulbs, wow. which were being produced by um, um, the same company that does Rio back in the you know back in the day, um, Tat Y, a really neat a really neat guy that had a um, he had a big warehouse and had you know Chinese it was a it was a Chinese uh, brand, but fantastic thousand watt twenty uh, k bulbs. Um, which is hard to find back there. I, I mean, what you had, um, you know, the Ushios and the Radions, um, but these were the Healers, and we they did a mate. They were fantastic, and they were basically you could get colonies in, and within uh, one week, two weeks, the color that they had lost from being in the holding facilities, wherever they were, whether it be Fiji or Tonga or Indonesia, some of the, some of the different places we were getting corals in, within two weeks, within a week or two weeks. That color that they had lost was back. Wow. It was it was incredible um, because of those halides. Um, so it was yeah, it was a neat thing. Go, yeah, uh, go one on. other thing that I, I remember purchasing off of um, Reefer Madness was this incredible, incredible blue teardrop maxima, which is just pretty much almost impossible to find these days. And man, that was one kick-ass clam. That was a beaut. Those were spectacular. Those were coming from uh, the Solomons. Um, those teardrops are coming from the Solomons, I believe. Um, I think there's a few coming out of uh, Chuuk and uh, some of the Micronesian islands. Uh, but I think those specific ones were coming out of the Solomons because we had the gold teardrops and the yes. blue teardrops. And they were they were huge. I mean, they were like, like this big. Yeah, seven, eight inches and. Um, um, you know, long and then six inches in width. They were, they were, they were I'm, amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit here, but what, I don't know if, um, you know, I, I think today it is much harder to keep clams for some reason than it was years ago, and I'm not exactly sure why, but um, it's just something that I've noticed over the years. I, I don't even try it anymore to keep a clam. I think, I think the biggest thing is, is that we're not providing the spectrum. They, these are found in very shallow waters, just like a. Hadoni or a, you know, some of those, those, some of those, uh, carpet enemies, um, that they are found in such shallow water, they are getting blasted with light. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that the halides that we had back in those days were providing a more of that spectrum. I, you know, this is, this is just from wisdom. I don't have any scientific, you know, basis yeah. to this, but, um, I do believe that it had directly to do just like some of the, some of the acropora that we can't. Some of those really fat branch acropora, like Monticulosa, like um, there's some of the other species that have these really fat, thick branches, Abertinoides and Robusta, and some of you can't, you have a hard time keeping those. Um, and I think these clams are the same way because they were they're found in such shallow waters. I mean, I, when I was, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll get to this in a minute, but when I was, when I did, when I left Reefer Madness and I moved to the islands of Fiji. Um, I get to, I got to see all that. I got to see exactly where these animals were found. Um, and it, and it really helped. It really helped, uh, me and my ability to be able to, um, tr basically translate what's into the ocean into the aquarium. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and it's kind of a cool thing because I, you know, I, I lived in Fiji for four years and I, I, I made several trips to Tonga. So, um, they have different, almost different environments, but I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, 
but yeah, I really do believe that it has to do with us not providing um, some of the spectrum, the, either the UV or the blended. You know how the LEDs are; they're they're beams of you know yeah. separate beams of light, separate beams of color, and there there isn't that blend. Even with the um, you know uh, even with the diffusers, you're not getting quite the same intensity nor the blend that you do with um, you know with the halides. Yeah. So somebody wants to include a 400 watt um, on you know over over one of their over their one systems I, I can with pretty good confidence say that um, that they're gonna have an easier time keeping keeping those I clients. still have uh, I still run uh, halides in one of my one of my tanks so uh, perhaps I will uh, give another shot give it a know. shot really give it a yeah. shot I I, um, I I do remember that um, those particular now Darasas and Gigas and some of the others a little bit deeper water clams I think they have an easier a little bit easier time uh, but even then I, I still think it has to do with um, uh, that is just their mantle at that point when they get to that size is so important um, for the for for bringing in the photosynth photosynthesis uh, the process of photosynthesis that they they really require a um, a light that that will give them the spectrum, the blended spectrum that they require, that they need. Yeah. All right, man. So I uh, I interrupted you in terms of um, oh no, you're talking fine. about your uh, your your reef keeping journey. Yeah, reef. Yeah, I tangents forever. So um, so reefer madness went was was amazing. It did great. I think we got up like I'm saying seven people. We were doing um, a decent, you know, good amount of uh, good amount of business. And for that time, I think there were some polls made on on Reef Central back in the day, and it, so we were in the top, even even more popular than Live Aquaria at that wow. point, which is which is pretty yeah. cool for a small you know for a small little uh, yeah. facility. Um, and I think we were a thirty five hundred foot uh, facility uh, with um, about five thousand gallons of water, I think total. Um, and we were getting water straight up from the San Diego uh, off of strips off of the aquarium there. And, um, and then, uh, that we had an opportunity to, um, to basically, we did that for about five years and we got an opportunity. Uh, we'd always, Christine and I had always kind of wanted to do something different, um, and make it kind of a, make a difference. Um, at least, you know, do try. I mean, it was always yep. a dream, you know, everybody's a dream. So Walt had mentioned in years past that, you know, he had this general manager. He was going kind of tropic, and um, it actually became came to fruition. Where he's like, "Okay, we got reefer reefer man is kind of handled at the moment. Let's let's move you to Fiji." Um, so we're like, "Wow, that's a big I've move." Got it's a big move. I mean, people don't understand how big of a move that is. You're taking your entire life, and you got to pack up everything. Everything we had to stick it in a twenty foot container. <laughs> And you have to do paperwork. It basically took us a year to try and get this get this going. And we've got uh, my son at that time was uh, seven years old, and my daughter was uh, four years old. And we basically packed you know packed everything up, packed them up basically, and uh, threw them on a plane, threw all our stuff into um, all our stuff into a container. And in May of two thousand seven, uh, we moved to uh, to the islands of Fiji. And uh, I basically ran the uh, ran the the, the mariculture farm, and then also all the exports. So that was kind of my uh, kind of like my 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 
job. Sound like a fantasy teaching. job almost. It was it was a pretty incredible. I mean, it, it, um, I was diving three to four days a week. Um, so mainly free diving. I wasn't even certified. I wasn't scuba certified even when I went. Um, but I've always been I've always been a free diver. So I'm able to hold my back then. You know, as you can see, uh, the both of us were, you know, getting gray. I probably can't hold my breath as long as I could, but I could go, you know, two and a half to three and a half minutes if I had it, uh, if I had to hold in my breath. So I was, I was in really good wow. shape um, and dive in and bounce. Cause when you dive on, it's, it's a different, it's a different world. So my commute, my commute to work from a house, from the house that we had in Fiji was basically three minutes. The commute to the to our farm or even some of our dive collection locations uh, was up to two hours and sometimes. Oh, so in all different types of weather, you're getting you know chop, you're getting you know days with spectacular where the ocean is glass. Uh, you're getting um, you know storms coming in. You got to be a hawk on the weather to make sure you don't put your divers because I controlled our. Di um, I basically was managing our entire dive crew and. Um, it, uh, it you have to be super careful with everything that's coming, either it be squalls or weather patterns or whatever. But I was I was going out on these boats every day. It's these, these shallow boats. Uh, they're basically like if you've ever seen it's it's like a a Boston whaler almost. Yep. With maybe some of them have a top that gets you out of the sun. But I'm diving with Fijian divers that are been living out in the sun their entire lives and used to it. I'm this. You know, I'm like, I can burn and, you know, in, in an instant. Um, so I've had to, I had to wear this rashy and long, you know, uh, board shorts and keep, you know, everything covered as much as I could. I actually even wore this, like this, uh, this, uh, kind of a hoodie, this really lightweight hoodie to keep my neck from, you know, completely toast. But you're out on this boat. You have this, you know, hour on average, probably an hour commute out to our different dive spots. And you get you jump in the water, and five six hours later you get back out of the water. Wow! And you're diving that entire time, Jeez. and you're bounce Jeez. diving that entire time. And these Fijian divers are just like raw. And some guys are, you know, they got pretty good big, big bellies because they, but they're super yeah. strong. But you know, it makes them a little buoyant in that sense, and <laughs> you know, they got to kick a little bit harder to get down. But um, but it was it was is fun because you. You, you start to you jump out of the boat. You're just in free diving gear. You jump out of the boat and you you basically make these like circles. So you find – for me because I was doing the farm, I was collecting for the farm. I would um, – I'm finding broodstock for, for, for a farm. So I'm going out and I'm finding all these different pieces um, covering you know an acre, an acre at a time. Finding specific types of color, more specific species that I might be looking for that I know to do well. That's something I learned over time. It took a while, but um, you learn which which does well uh, for farming and which doesn't. Some stuff grows too slow, some stuff grows too fast. You know, so on and so forth. Some have colors that look good when you collect them, but they don't they don't adapt. Um, and then you make these little piles, um, and then you move on to the next one. So the the toughest part was is that over the hours trying to remember where your little piles were um was actually it was kind of funny it's like you know it's it's like um you know the like where's waldo kind of thing so and, and i have to say sometimes i actually lost piles oh, no. come back 
we would come back um, because we really never hit that same spot over again. We we find a different spot because in this air we were we were collecting from twelve hundred square miles. Jeez, it's it's hard to fathom. I mean, not all that area is reef is covered in reef. There's a lot of channels. There's a lot of you know deeper areas. But um, you can imagine um, if you ever go on a Google, it's pretty cool. You go on a Google and you find a town called Latoka. Um, our, the, the Walt Smith's, um, uh, facility was, was located in, in Latoka. And if you kind of made this pie shaped kind of going up to the barrier islands around there, he had these, uh, territories, these ocean based territories, which were, like I said, 1200 square miles, each of these territories added up to that much. And you would go to these different reefs. And so it was very important to us not to be cut to try and be as sustainable as possible to not hit the same locations day in and day out. You would actually hit yeah. you wouldn't come to the same location for say another um, a month maybe 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 three weeks if it was really densely packed. Um, but so there was one time where I actually I remember this vividly. I had a pile that I lost, and I remember there was some killer stuff. And luckily, when we came back three weeks later. Um, to this reasonably the same location, I started finding different landmarks, different spots that I'm like, Hey, I remember this. And lo and behold, there was my pile it was kind of scattered Found the stash huh? summer because in the summer yeah. you get less, you, you get less of, um, nasty weather, um, more rainy, but less, unless a cyclone comes through, but I was able to actually kind of, um, find those pieces again. It was, it was pretty, pr pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so we had, um, I built a farm up to be uh, close to 60 racks. We had at, at the peak, we had about 30,000 pieces on, on our farm. What's so like, uh, if you had to, you know, pick one piece, what was like the most incredible piece that you cherry picked from, uh, from Fiji? There was an Acropora. I, I was, I mean, I love all corals. Uh, there's no coral that I really don't like, but one of the ones that I there was two. There was one that was an Acropora anthocerasus, and it was daisy yellow. Mm. And it's hard to find. Like even like WWC, we have a we have a, um, a WC Yoda Acropora, and it's it's a greenish yellow. But this is like sunshine daisy yellow. And I had that farm. I had that farming. I found a colony because um, what I would normally do if I found a large colony when I was out in the ocean, I would actually. Um, I had a hammer and a chisel. I had this long, well, it's not a chisel per se, but it's like a, um, it's like a spike okay. and sharpen it at the end. You get this like pie shape. So what I would do is I would like say the colonies, say the colonies like this, and I would basically whack one side of it so that a basically a piece, yep. you know, like just take a piece and I'd leave the rest of it yep. intact. And then when I got on the back of the boat, I had this GPS marker and I would actually mark it. Um, mark for that exact, you yeah. know, try it within that same brief so that I remember that if I ever lost that, you know, the colony that I was trying go to farm, back another piece. I could go back and grab another piece from it. I never try, I never ever, I mean, that was something I ever always tried to do was try never to take the entire colony. Yeah. Uh, that one was killer. Uh, we also had, um, back in the day, uh, it was very hard to find Micromusa, or Micromusa amokusensis. Um, um, and I, once in a while, I'd find a colony here and there. Um, and it's same thing. I found it, but that was so slow growing. It was, it was difficult to farm. The anthocerasis that I um, grew much faster and I was able to farm that out. 
Um, even if you go on a Walt Smith um, International right now, their their website, you can actually still see some of my photos that I took on there okay. from 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Uh, it was a long time yeah. ago, but you can still see that Anthocerasis on there. There was a photo. I just saw it actually a few months ago. I was like, damn, look at that. It's still, still there. on there. Any, uh, any yeah. name pieces that we would recognize that uh, you've picked up from, from Fiji? From there, from, from Fiji, not so much because then it was like any distributor. It was then <clears> – <throat> it was then um, – Distributed to uh, sent to uh, wholesalers uh, in in California or in, I mean we sent all over the world but um, in California or even Florida and and then distributed from there. So as you know, as we even mentioned earlier, maybe the name game kind of thing. Not so much um, because from when I the most important thing when exporting out of Fiji was that the corals were identified, especially the acropora, were attempted to be na uh, named down to a species right. level. That is what uh, Fish and Wildlife required um, as of, I think it was like 2009, maybe maybe somewhere in there, 2009, like I said, it's a little fuzzy. But we had to name everything down to the best of our ability with a, with a species name. So I had I had done this in the past, even with, you know, with uh, Reefer Madness and even Flying Fish. I was attempting, I was one of the first ones to do it, actually try to name them. Was that correct? Who knows? Right. I mean, you know, a lot of corals. If you look at Veron... Um, a lot of those corals are, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of mixing. Um, it's hard to differentiate each species, but I did the best of what I had available to me. And so I had to name them. I think we got down, we got to 65 different species of Acropora cool. coming out of Fiji. That's cool. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I had to name them. Samoensis and Formosa and Tenuous and uh, Vermiculata and Convexa and um, Hyacinthus and Bifurcata and on and on and on a nobilis and abertinoides and robusta and you know so on and so forth so they're still they're still stuck in there because i had to do it every single week try a couple times a week for these exports that we were shipping uh, for we were shipping so out. what uh, what was uh, what, what was the uh, the next uh, destination after fiji before um wwc well that was so four years so four years we were there we actually we were actually, I actually had a contract to go to live there for seven, yeah. but unfortunately the kids, my, my, not unfortunately, I love the kids, but the schooling in Fiji is limited. Yeah. Uh, like Walt, he actually, um, had to, because the, because of the way that the, the school it's it set up there, um, it's good if you stay in Fiji, but not so good if you're going to actually do something, uh, later in, in life outside of Fiji. So like he's actually sent, he had to actually send his girls to um, boarding school in New Zealand. Oh, wow. So we were kind of like screwed. We're like, okay, what do we do? We don't, we can't really do that. So we actually had to end the contract when we found that, well, we can only get so far with the schooling. We started doing homeschooling, but even then it, it was in Fiji and Bryce was 11. My daughter Roxy was, uh, what at that point she was, um, eight years old. So, um, so we, we made that decision as a family to, to come back to the state. So, um, I actually then went to, from Fiji, went to work for sustainable aquatics in Tennessee. Gotcha. So, um, and I was there for three years, um, clownfish galore. Uh, I, I, how many breeds at that point? I think there was like 40 different variety uh, breeds of, of clownfish, um, at sustainable. And, and that was cool. Um, but like I said, the diversity, I always love diversity, like anything that I do, it's, it was, 
that part was difficult because you had clownfish, you had dotty backs, you had uh, and a few other blennies and a couple other things that we were farming, but it just wasn't um, it wasn't the same. It really wasn't wasn't for me per se. Uh, it was hard to um, it, it was hard to get the excite that, that same excitement. So I left there. I started doing my art uh, for a little for a year or so. And I was in that entire time when I was at Sustainable, I was actually selling to, uh, to Vic at Worldwide. Um, he actually bought for me even a reefer manage before, so we had we had known each other. Um, and we started communicating. He was looking for somebody, and I went down for a trial um, to you know see how we meshed. And um, and so I joined here in uh, February of 2015. Wow! So I've been at worldwide since yeah t- since 2015 so what, what are you what are you exactly responsible for at the uh, worldwide um well i'm ex- responsible for um our our marketing our uh our website our the the design my basically i have a couple of design guys i got a web uh, basically webmaster i've got a graphics designer uh customer service um uh, even um, and I was a shipping manager, but le- we've grown to the point where we actually have our own shipping manager now. But I was doing shipping, ma- managing the shipping department too. Um, so yeah, um, a whole lot, lot. Of, lot of hats there, Chris. A lot of hats, a lot of hats. I've always worn a lot of hats because I mean, even when I own my own companies, obviously the same, the same kind of thing. So, but now I mean, uh, worldwide has grown. When I joined, we were eleven, nine or eleven people, I think. And now we're 55. Wow. We were up to 60, and then uh, some folks, um, you know, departed, and I think we're 55. Wow. Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. I've uh, got a few new people joining, and, you know, all the time. You know, there's always a revolving door when you have this size company. So um, I want to show the video. So Chris was very kind enough to, uh, to have his folks uh, send me some B-roll of the uh, retail operations as well as the retail farm. As well as yeah, the farm. I, I want to get one question yeah. in though before we do that uh, from big bear meets a little bear i like that screen name uh question as a uh, and this is related to the clams that we're talking about question as a replacement for halides could feeding and um or numerous uh, five T- t5s and or kessel 500 x's with its broad ati bulb like blue like spectrum and intensity keep those high light clams and also any coral um, food recommendations. Uh, I mean, it, it's it. You could certainly. It's worth a shot. The problem with the T fives I'm seeing is it just not. They don't have that same beaming intensity. Uh, they have a. Um, they have a kind of a blanket. They provide a blanket light, but they're not that. They're not that sun. They're not the, you know, they're not that central beam of light that a thousand watt halide can, or a 400 watt halide can, can provide. So I, I don't know. I mean, you could try it, but I still don't think it'll be sufficient for, because like when I was, when I had um, diverted earlier, um, and I was speaking about the clams, literally I was finding maxima clams in three, four feet of water um, at low tide. Um, and there was, wasn't a huge amount of high tide uh, fluctuation in Fiji. It was usually only really three or four feet. So even at the, even at high tide, there were maybe six feet, seven feet deep. So um, they were getting crazy. At the par that they were probably receiving was the equivalent of say three fifty or four fifty. And I don't don't think you can get that with T fives. And then the Kessels, it's the same thing. I know the single chip. 
Um, it, it, I mean, it's worth a shot. I just, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't know if it's even then it's a, if it's for the long run, because with the halides, with the thousand watt bulbs, if you're keeping up with exchanging those bulbs, changing those bulbs out, um, you could, you could keep those clamps for, for a long time. I mean, how long did you have yours? I, I thought I had mine, you know, for like years, you know, I remember having, yeah. you know, when back, um, geez, you know, uh, 10, 15 years ago when I used to keep clams successfully, I, you know, I had clams in my, uh, you know, reef tank for a few years or whatever it was four or five years, no problems. Now I can't keep them alive. So it's, yeah. it's like something has changed, but maybe it's what you're talking about in terms of that's just the, the intensity of the light. I, I mean, I know that there's a virus that, that comes that has been, has a, um, in, inflicted, um, you know that what uh, it's called the crimp mantles, uh, crimp mantle disease. Yeah. That virus comes out of um, uh, Vietnam, and I know that's that's certainly affected some of the locations. But those that are those clams that are coming out of the Cook Islands, I know it's very similar to say those clams that were coming out of the Solomons. They're found in super shallow water, like like literally almost out of the water. Um, and some of the footage I've seen, um, they're like in two feet of water, even less um, in wow. some cases. The burrowing clamps because they're burrowing right into the top of the reef. So yeah, and then food, um, same thing. I mean, phyto, um, anything you know, with a the small, they're more planktonic. They're not so much zo. I think they do rely on some zooplankton, but but at that size, when they're that big, they're definitely more photosynthetic than they are uh, filter feeders, from what I understand, because they are found so shallow. And they rely so heavily on the sun. Uh, we got uh, Greg Carroll's in the house and says, uh, Chris is such a wealth of knowledge, exclamation point. And tell him what does work, Chris, exclamation point. So uh, what does work? Oh, I, well, I'll do my yeah. best. <laughs> All right. So, man, uh, you let's let's uh, let's play a little of that uh, B-roll that you uh, sent me. Is this like exclusive video that you guys uh, passed along to me or has this been uh, uh, like a compilation I mean, of stuff we've seen? In a compilation of, of, of video. We have uh, we try to do a, a, a YouTube video every weekly of different, you know, of all sorts of different kind of cool stuff. Um, if you, you know, I'm going to plug it. But if you haven't subscribed, it's pretty cool. We do some. I mean, just. Yeah. Just this week, I think we we just uh, finished off a video of, of Vic and um, and the guys from Ecotech, um, you know, zooming around uh, part of Pennsylvania uh, on off road on on motorcycles and ATVs and stuff like that. So I mean, you know, we all do all sorts of stuff. Just kind of fun. Not doesn't always have to be reefing all the time, uh, but uh, you know, they had a great time. So, but yeah, look at it. We got a lot of there's a dearth of there's def, I'm sorry, there's definitely a wealth of information on there. Uh, if you search it, we're just going to be keep on doing more. So, uh, um, so I'm, I'm running the yeah. uh, I'm running the uh, the clip right here, and we're seeing you know the uh, the retail uh, store. I think that was the um, the location with the big uh, new 500 gallon um, shallow reef. No, that's 1200. That that's 1200 gallons. gallons. I'm sorry. That, yeah, that lagoon is 1200 gallons um, shallow. You know, shallow reef. Um, that amazing um, uh, mangrove in the back provided to us by Sprung. He'd been growing that out for years. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a, it's a spectacular, it's a spectacular reef. There's nothing really else like it. Um, and that footprint of it is, 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 is ridiculous. Um, the only way we clean, we actually have to get in, Oh, really? roll up our, <laughs> roll up our shorts and we got to jump right in there, and, you know, and, and trim and, you know, and, and make sure everything's doing well and move stuff when needed. And, um, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a, uh, it's quite a venture, but after the two years, it's been, it's been going now for two years. Wow. Um, that it's it's doing spectacularly well. So just 
I, I mean, pretty much everybody knows what you guys are all about, but, but for those that might not be as familiar with, uh, you know, Worldwide Corals, just take them through in terms of what you guys have. So you got two retail lo locations. We're also going to be looking at the farm here. Yeah, we have two uh, retail locations, um, one here at the Superstore uh, that's right next to SeaWorld, and then we've also got another a more of a boutique location up in Winter Park, a beautiful little store. Um, when anybody come, ever comes, we always recommend to go check out both of them because they're completely different fields. It's, it's a really cool place. Yeah, the Superstore is just it's massive with everything that you need for a reefing. Um, it's spectacular. It's well run. Uh, we try, you know, our, our customer service agents out there, our retail floor agents are, you know, are, are well-trained. Um, they're, they're never, ever going to do the, uh, you know, the, the, the used sales kind of, um, salesman that you do, you can find. Um, but yeah, it's, they're, they're, they do a fantastic job. The corals are, they, see the corals that come, all the corals that come out of there, obviously other than our, say our colonies, but even our colonies are screened. Everything goes through our farm one way or another. So, um, and so we, as you'll see here um, in a moment, um, that everything before it winds up either on our uh, website or on uh, on the floor goes through a screening process, which is more difficult um, with some of the larger, uh, smaller, so smaller pet stores. They don't have that ability to do yeah. so. They're taking you know shipments that come straight in, opening them up, boom, right into their system that has something they've been farming for years. So because of the ability that we have to uh, have the uh, uh, have this farm. We have a completely aquaculture side, and then we have a side where we do um, our quarantine, and we have different raceways where we have keep specific stuff, and we keep everything um, separate. Um, and so you'll see here in a second. There's sort of some quarantine systems, which are black. That's where our um, that's where all of our incoming corals come in. We have another system dedicated straight strictly for uh, for wild colonies, like I said, everything gets screened. Uh, we're very specific on what we order uh, to make sure that when we do have corals coming in from the wild, that we're not at ordering stuff that might have the, some of those parasites that uh, easily jump. Um, you know, mainly the colonies that we're, we're importing are those colonies like, you know, homophilias, scolemia, homophilias, endophilias, acanthophilias. Um, you know, sometimes we'll bring in acros, but even then they're going in a completely separate system that have nothing in there that we've completely farmed. So it's, um, it's all a trickle down effect. It works really well for us, making sure that we have, I mean, the aquaculture side, nothing ever goes in there unless it's gone through our, uh, our basically it's like six months, six to nine months before even to anything could even, even begin to even look at there. And even then it goes through a final screening before it goes in there so it's it's a heck of a process what do you, what do you guys what do you, i'm sorry to interrupt there, chris go ahead. what, what no, do you guys no use in terms of dips for uh you know for sps and and you know let's say the uh, acro eating flatworms what uh, what's your go-to dip there well we we normally use the um i'm trying to think um the one by julian oh um, yeah that's, uh that one we use most predominant predominantly but we also use uh, bright wells as well um so by, between the two of those, um, with the constant dipping that we do, uh, but a lot of it is just manually dipping. I mean, it literally, we've got a crew that sits there and it's, they're, they're amazing troopers. They're doing this for the hobby. Uh, cause we're trying to, you'll see at the end of the, we basically manually blow these corals off, um, three times a week. We have it, we have charts and we'll basically mark down and we're blowing these corals off. Uh, we'll grab a rack, we'll grab a tray, we'll blow these corals off, monies, acropora, 
you you name it. Those that have the, especially those that that are easily, like I said, easily transferred, uh, whether it be the monoporium and nutribranchs. And I mean, we've been luckily, knock on wood, we've been clear, clean on Monty uh, for Monty's were for years now, which is spectacular, wow. which is awesome. Um, and then the acros as well. I mean, it's just a constant. It's a constant gleaning of these corals to make sure uh, that they're that they're clean. Now to go into our display tanks, like you saw some footage here earlier of our fifteen hundred. Uh, that's our main producer for our for our SPS, and that thing is just now uh, starting to produce uh, the way it should. I mean, we got colonies in there now that are yeah. you know good. Um, we like our 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 classic yellow tips Acropora austera is literally like 14 inches wow. you know in diameter we've got our grizzly atoms now and this is just you know started back from frags so because basically when we broke down the original store because uh, we've only been in this superstore location for two years but before that we were at our old opt store we had 900 we had a 500 we had the the famous two uh 225 uh sorry 295 with casper in it yep. uh we broke all those down uh, fragged everything out, and um, and that's what our what we started our um, our display tanks at uh, at the new at the superstore, and even at our uh, winter park store. So everything that you see even there is all from frags, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, it's tough. It's I'll tough to transfer colonies from one one tank to the uh, to the next, right? Even if it's in uh, you know five minute. Um, you know, it is. They don't. They don't adapt. They really don't. Whatever it is, either be the whether it be the flow, whether it be the lighting. What it's usually flow, but they're not they're, because of the changing flow. It's really tough to move full size colonies because uh, we had some huge colonies that came out of, like I said, both of both of our old systems, and we just decided to frag them down because they we just knew. And I mean, I've done it. I've had it. I had this red planet way back in the day. It was, you know, probably eight inches. I paid through the nose and I tried to do, I tried it and I lost the whole thing. Yeah. So we learned through, you know, obviously through wisdom, through experience and through that you can't do that. So that's what we did. But all, yeah, it's pretty cool though. Every single, every single frag that you see in those, you know, in our huge display tanks are all started from frags. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's the best way because, you know, you're going to, you're going to kind of, um, you know, have that natural evolution in terms of the growth of that coral that's going to just form with that reef and its environment versus if you're sticking like some large colonies in there, like what we used to do back in the day when reefer madness yep. was around, yep. you know, it didn't look that's that right. natural when you had those big, nope. uh, it really did. Colonies. And yeah. They were just sitting up there on the rocks and, you know, weren't encrusting and they wouldn't encrust. They would barely grow. Um, I mean, unless you had the proper lighting, but even then it was usually the base at that point, the base doesn't usually encrust. They're already, you know, putting most of their energy into their branches. So you usually didn't get a, um, usually didn't get a colony that would, you know, nice and crust like you do now. And yes, it can be frustrating because, you know, a lot of coral, a lot of acropora, for, for example, uh, will will, um, you know, encrust for for six months or eight months before they even send a single vertical branch. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it's a different ballgame now, a completely different. The, um, just a quick question, Chris, about that. Um... When when uh, when you see a coral it's just encrusting and crusting and crusting and maybe it shoots up one little branch, do you find that if you nip off that one little branch, that actually might spur on some more branches to grow out? Is do you, do you find that to be the case that sometimes if you frag a coral, that it might stimulate growth? I, I don't. I think it depends on the coral. I think some do, but a lot of times when you see that first branch shoot, shoot up, you'll see the little nubs forming on all the other branches. 
So maybe if you don't see any of those other, the additional nubs popping, then yeah, you could probably encourage that because like, I mean, the, the crazy, when I was in Fiji, um, you'd see a hurricane come through and rip, break everything apart, just mm. destroy a reef. You come back two weeks later and boom, all these branches are popping up. Mm. So yes, I, absolutely. It does think, I do think that might trigger it because it does in the wild. Um, cause you, that's all you would find left would be an encrust, an encrustment on the rock. And I think that's, a lot of times why Acropora actually encrust so much is that they are preparing for the worst, preparing for, say, a storm coming through where it breaks off all those branches, but that because they've got all that energy remaining in that encrustment that they can shoot they can shoot those branches up. So, yes, I, can, I do believe it does work, but obviously use your own discretion on right. it. If you're do, look carefully because a lot of times when you see that one branch coming up, you'll start to see a lot more popping up as well. So, uh, folks, I encourage you to um, – uh, Leave your comments and ask questions in the chat. I do see one comment from uh, Reef Loss uh, Reef Way. We need a WWC Superstore in SoCal! Exclamation point. I think um, so. I noticed that you guys now have a um, WWC warehouse right in the on the West Coast. Is that um, yeah? It's though, that's right? our yeah. For that's a yeah, it's kind of a different uh, different thing. That's for colonies. That's almost like kind of like reefer madness per se. But yeah, that's where we're selling. We have some colonies that are coming straight in. Some um, it's basically just an, uh, allowing us to cut out because, as you know, when shipping colonies, it can be stressful with all the different stops that they have to make. So this is basically coming almost from the source, and then we're we're shipping that we're basically bagging those up and shipping those straight out. Uh, from our West Coast source, you can find it straight on our website. Little click, and you can see. And we're updating it uh, several times a week. And there's some cool colonies that come in as well. Because you, you'll see actually on 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 worldwide, there aren't so we don't do very many colony updates on there. Majority, if you're looking for colonies, that's a great place to look. So any, any um, you know, has there been any talk about potentially doing another uh, retail location out of the state of Florida? Has that been kicked around there, at all? There, Oh yeah, absolutely. We're always talking about different different things that we can do for growth wise. Because, but we've got to perfect what we've got here first. So we've only been in this particular location two years. We're still, you know, ironing out. We're still trying to get the blueprint ready. That kind of the boutique store that we have, the Winter Park Boutique Store, is, you know, obviously it's it's kind of like our blueprint that we're forming. But it's still it's still something we've got to be able to. We're probably before that point. We've got to um, have a, an additional additional farm where it even larger than what we've got now to be able to um to to, to supply the, all these particular satellite locations that we are you know that we would like to plan on for the future but that's all down the line that's you know that's a you know we have the five-year 10-year you know 15 20-year plan kind of thing and that's just all part that would be all part of it so it, it takes a while to get you know the, i mean just now as you can it took you know, two years for these display tanks to, to yeah. get to the point where, you know, they can be fragged. Well, think about a farm. It's the same kind of thing. It's, it's really two years, year and a half, two years before they start to um, get comfortable enough where, well, not them only, but us as well, because, you know, every time you do something, it's not quite the same and you got to figure out all those kinks. You got to you have the right flow, have the right lighting set for those particular types of coils that you have in those tanks, get everything keyed in um, and um, and then obviously clean uh, before you can start a farm because you can't be fighting all those battles. Um, yeah, I hear you. Uh, so, so Chris, you know, let's let's talk about the marketing side of the business. You know, that's that's one of your responsibilities there at uh, WWC is is uh, is marketing. And we've we've kind of 
touched on this a little bit in terms of um, you know talking about um, you know the coral names and I think you mentioned the uh, the name game but you know how how um, how do you guys work it there in terms of trying to put a price on a uh, on a coral that you know you've uh, raised on your farm that now you know made for sale on on the retail sites how, how does that all work in terms of trying to figure out pricing for certain corals that you're selling well I mean, yes, you, you can see there, there's a lot of pricing is always a it, it's a hard it's a hard juggle. Um, you've got the big spenders that want the most exciting thing, the newest thing. Um, and then you've got those that are more established, used to, you know, lower prices. And so it, it's it's a juggle. But basically the pricing, the, the naming, the naming and the pricing, the naming is secondary. Naming is of these particular corals. Once we have it, you know, once we have it starting to farm it. And we've got it. Things are, you know, things are ever evolving. But those established names that we have, it really depends on how many colors and their growth rate. Are really that's what depicts a lot of the pricing. So the slower the growth rate, the more colors it has, which is a lot of times that's what you find. Now, say for example, say PC Rainbow Acapora. Um, that one is actually a faster growing acropora, spectacular, one of my favorites. But because it's faster growing and it does have a lot of coral color in it, it still fetches a decent price, but it's not astronomical. Right. But you can go right. the other route where you have a coral, say, that's got four or five colors embedded into it um, that is slower growing. That's going to be more expensive coral because we can't produce but a few frags a year. I mean, that's one reason, like, say, the OG bounce. The OG Bounce, for example, has, has kept its price. Yes, there was a couple years ago where the price kind of dropped. There was somebody that there was a couple vendors that were growing or having crazy success with it, and they dumped it on the market, kind of dropped the price some. But eventually you will see that it's not the easiest coral to grow. It's an amazing coral, but that coral is going to keep its price. So that's kind of the, the game. It's, it's not so much the game, but it's you have to think about us having – can you imagine the, the payroll for a company that has such as us that has 55 employees? I mean, it, it's yeah. it's insane. So, I mean, yes, you don't want to think that okay, you got to, but that's that's what we have to. You have to find just like just like you know those expensive you know the expensive handbags. You're paying thousands thousands of dollars for a handbag or a pair of shoes or a pair of pants or you know what Brooks, you know, Brooks brothers or whatever for, you know, $300 for a t-shirt, you know, or for a button up shirt, whatever. It's the same kind of thing is that there's, there's that, we have to try and, you know, keep that, um, keep that line. You're always going to have these high end corals that because they don't grow that fast because they still, but they have this crazy demand, demand, supply and demand colors, slow growing, that's going to depict the price. But if you have something that grows a lot faster, it doesn't have as many colors in it. Two colors, a single color. That's going to usually, you know, going to basically decide the price that the market is going to accept. And, you know, I think another thing to point out is that you know that that's all baked in. As you mentioned this before, in terms of you know you've got a quarantine system set up that takes about six months for a coral to make it the prime time, right? So you guys have a lot of expense behind that um, yes. intricate quarantine system. Yes, and, it, and this doesn't account for the corals that don't make it. Shipping delays. I mean, that's 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 a that's a that's an issue. I mean, shipping delays and and trying to make sure that um, you know that that, that these that the corals. Um, 
because you, you have to think there's loss no matter where th these are living animals and because they're living animals they don't always adapt to the aquarium environment coming from the wild so throughout the throughout all these tiers that we have all the quarantine tiers all the manually checking i mean think about that I, we've got two full-time employees maybe three that that's all they do is quarantine that's all they do is they're basically checking these corals every day because you can think we've got um what is it 16 16 raceways on our middle farm and then we've got another i mean there's smaller raceways but we've got another uh what 18 raceways on our aquaculture mm -hmm. side and then we've got all the display tanks. We've got a crew just for our display tanks that check water quality every day. Wow. So we're doing this. We're doing – there's a purpose why we do this. Or the purpose is to make sure that those problems that we used to have back in the day um, are are mitigated, are limited, um, are you know almost eliminated. Like I've said, like with Monopora eating uh, nudibranchs. We haven't had them in our facility, like I said, knock on wood, but we haven't had them for close to two years. So if you guys got a shipment in and you you, you saw the uh, Monty eating nudies on on the uh, on some corals, okay. would you just would you just kind of like uh, throw those corals in the garbage, or would you actually put it through the uh, quarantine system there? Oh, oh yeah, we would we would do our best to solve okay. we would do our best to save them, uh, to save them. Um, and you know frag off what we could, uh, cut off you know if there's say acropora eating flat, uh, sorry, acropora. Yeah, acropora eating flatworms, um, nudibranchs, flatworms. I'm getting my brain. Sorry, too much hot, uh, the light up here. Um, but uh, cutting off the base, getting rid of the eggs, scrubbing them off, clipping off branches. Absolutely, we would try our hardest to make sure that we say it because it could be a, a it could be a um, a strain that we hadn't uh, that we hadn't had uh, that we we don't have anywhere else. So we got to try and make sure we always go for duplicity in our, di our in our display tanks. You know, making sure that we have a you know, an agropora here, um, also found in another location in one of our other display tanks in another location of our farm. So, um, but, but yeah, absolutely. We're, we always try to save what we can for, I mean, we do this because we want to make sure that, um, that, I mean, think about, think about what does well this day and age. We're, we're, we're providing a coral that is, that is adapted to led lighting, which is very difficult. Um, they, they take a long time to adapt going from the sun, going from, you know, being collected on, on the ocean, being blasted, just like the clams that we spoke about earlier, being moved into a facility in, uh, in a distributor facility in, uh, overseas, being moved to a wholesaler. They're getting every step of the way, they're getting more and more stressed. Um, and then finally making it to us where it, you know, a lot of those cores just, they don't handle um, but we're going through all these processes, all these months to take to make sure that they start to become available to um, to the to the industry, and that's just the beginning. Then once it goes through those all those steps, then it, and want, then it'll eventually get up and get into our um, into our display tanks, and then it takes another two years before we actually start fragging them. So it's it's a very expensive process, but. We're doing this, you know, we're trying to do this for the future. Now, whether people, you know, believe us or not, there's a lot, you know, you know, our competitors, whatever, um, naysayers, so on and so forth. But we, well, we are, our heart really is trying to make sure that we grow, we grow this business to the point where it is absolutely as sustainable as possible. Because we don't know. We don't know if, if these, uh, these collectors on the other side um, are going to be, you know, going to be eventually shut down. We just don't know that. Um, how, how often are so, you guys bringing in wild stuff? I mean, is that a big part of what you're doing? Really? Or? 
it's really not. Okay. Uh, used to be, used to be almost weekly we were bringing in uh, bringing in corals. Um, I I think our last coral shipment was two weeks ago. Um, I, uh, probably uh, now Vic will make trips out to you know out to L.A. Uh, to Los Angeles um, and go um, and go to some of the wholesalers out there and and, and collect and, and, you know and bring back some beautiful stuff. But even then, it's like you know it's not very often. Right. Um, and the right. shipments that we get in, it, it really not that often. We are almost, you know, we are, I'd say almost 80% self-sufficient, wow. which is pretty, which is pretty cool. Now, and a lot of times, like I was mentioning earlier, a lot of the only colonies that we bring in are some of the stuff that you cannot, you cannot propagate, or at least at this time we can't propagate. Right. Um, right. You can't get them to spawn. And then, you know, I can't even imagine, you know, some of these, some of these colonies, the canthophilias and scalemias, homophilias, whatever. The, the the time that it takes to grow out you know grow some of the corals from a you know from a larval stage would um, is would be uh, <laughs> would be difficult. So, so. somebody uh, mentioned earlier in the broadcast about uh, live sales and and um, you know it's it's um, they're not easy to pull off right I mean there's a lot of work involved with with live sales. Can can you talk to um, you know that? type of uh, selling in terms of doing live sales and, and what's involved with that. And, and um, I guess also, well, go ahead and, and uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about live sales first. Live sales are a, um, yeah, are, are, uh, are an animal all to themselves. Um, the way they work, um, they basically work by where we are, because of the way our farms work, we, we start accumulating, we start accumulating corals. And we we basically are growing more. We're growing more than we can sell at a natural rate because of our growth rates. Mm -hmm. So these life sales are our way to be able to, um, you know, kind of like a clearance, kind of a clearance sale. But they're not clearance because they're not they're they're not products that we're trying to um, that we're trying to get rid of. I mean, yes, I mean there's some corals like like for the newbies for the for those that are just getting into reefing that they you know they eat them up. They love them. Um, and so we have a mixture of fast growing, fast growing, cheaper corals, um, some of our medium, a little bit more intermediate corals to some of our advanced corals. And it's our way of moving out a lot of the, you know, the medium and the lower price stuff with a mixture of, um, higher, higher end stuff, um, at some really good discounts. Um, and it allows, uh, and we basically do it by, um, we're pulling from, from our aquaculture side, we're pulling from our. Uh, our middle farm, and then we're uh, putting all these light corals onto onto these racks that are named and numbered, um, and then we go in and we pull. It's like for this uh, one of our next live sales. Well, for this live sale coming up tomorrow, the flash show that we're doing, uh, it's like 14, 14 racks of corals, which with eighty on average about eighty six corals a rack. Um, we go in, we photo, we separate them out, we photograph them each one. In a chronicle order, we uh, we crop them down to size. We make sure that they're color corrected um, to make sure that they look like kind of like we're, our basically our goal is to make it they look like a kind of like a 14k light for those some people yeah. that keep you know they still keep the daylights and others that are fully actinic so on and so forth. Um, we we make sure that they look spot on. We're very good now. You know a lot of the um, you know the Photoshop all that stuff. We're we're really trying. We really try hard not to make sure that we're 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 making it look like exactly how they would if you kept our lighting. So, in other words, you can go on our website on Worldwide Corals 
and find all of our lighting schedules. And if you plug in those lighting schedules for those corals that match that particular scheme, whether it be LPS, whether it be SPS, so on and so forth, you will get that you will get that coral that will look super similar. Yeah, you guys now, have like, like in, in different um, parts of the website, you actually have two different photos of the same coral, like one or more of a blue, um, you know, concentrated spectrum and then another yep. full spectrum. Yep. 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 Uh, especially on like VixPix. Yeah. Um, right now on our, on our main site, we're actually doing, uh, like on the what you see is what you get. We're kind of trying to get something. We found some, uh, settings that allow us to get us right lighting settings and camera settings that allow us to get us kind of right in the middle, um, uh, between, uh, kind of like an antennic and daylight. So it, it, it brings both the best worlds. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so we're trying to get that, but we're very transparent. We're trying to be very transparent in what we do. Um, and, uh, so with those lighting settings, if you have radions or AIs, cause that's what we focus, that's what we have, you know, grow our corals under, um, you will find that, um, they, um, that if you do, you know, like I said, put that setting there, the corals will look very, very similar to that. Um, and then we basically organize them, um, Price them, we organize them, name them. We, sorry, skew them, name them, price them, at our discounts. Then we process it into. Um, I have my, my webmaster's amazing. He he's able to uh, process this and make it into a form that we can HTML form that we can BBC code basically, and then we uh, are able to upload those to the to Reef to Reef, which is our main host for uh, for our live sales. Our, is our sorry is our only host for our live sales um and then we um um yeah and then we put them up uh, we're very active i've got a full crew i get basically four four full-time crew while we do our web uh for, while we do our live sales or flash sales and we keep you know we're interact just like you are here with you know answering comments we're answering comments for the entire the entirety of our live sales to try and be as interactive as possible to make sure that we're you know, keeping these people, uh, keeping the reefers entertained uh, in information and in, you know, um, funny gifts, so on and so forth, while these corals are popping up at um, some crazy discounts. So would, would the live sales be the best place to get the discounts? Or would you say uh, when you guys go out to like a Reefapalooza type of show, would you, or would you be able to get kind of similar discounts at a, uh, you know, at a, uh, at a frag swap type um, of setting? Or would you say those live sales are the best way to get the deals? Live sales are probably the best are probably the best. I mean, you can find some good deals, say at the end of a, um, at end of the trade shows, um, you can find some pretty good deals. Um, but, uh, for the most part, the live sales, because we're always throwing in, we're fr throwing in those $5 corals, we're throwing those tender, we're taking a coral that might be $89 and we're throwing in for five bucks or we're, you know, sometimes even crazier than that. So, uh, uh if you have the patience, um, it's an amazing play. It's an amazing way to, um, to, to get some really good discounts. Yeah, how but long you, do those live sales last? Those are like hours, right? Some can be, some can be nuts. Some can be, uh, I think our last one was 28 hours <laughs> and we've got people that are nuts there. They'll stay on for the entire 28 hours or I think we've done 36 hours. We've done, uh, I think 36 hours or 38 hours is probably the longest we've ever gone. And by the end of that, I'm here for the majority. Really? Uh, Are you sleeping on a cot in there or something like that? Are you? Uh, 
Well, don't we used to do like 24 hours. I'm not a young buck anymore. I can't do the 24 hour anymore. I just can't. I literally physically can't do it anymore. I've been doing these too many. I, I don't know how many live sales I've done at this point. Um, you know, we average five a year. Uh, so five times six, it's a, it's a lot in the prep. It's a, it's a, it, yeah, it's quite the grind. Um, and it's, you know, uh, it takes three weeks to prep three, four weeks to prep for each one of these. So it's a, it's a hell of a lot of work. Um, so and yeah, go ahead. That's I, I was, I was going to say, um, so you guys have a growing YouTube channel and, and like you mentioned at the beginning, Chris, if you folks haven't sub sub yet to the, uh, worldwide corals, uh, YouTube channel please do so. It's a great channel. Have, have you guys ever thought about doing any, uh, like partial live sales on, on the, uh, on the YouTube channel? I know, um, title gardens does that every month. I've, I've done a couple of them. That's a lot of work, man. Take videos, of every coral. It's, it's, it's a whole, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Uh, I, I did one, um, what, seven months ago on reef builders and it just, it's not, it's it, it's not incredibly cost effective. Mm. Um, it, it just for us at least. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, if if you can master it, you get. It. I think title. I think uh, Tam does great with it. Uh, title, you know, the title gardens one. And I, I'm not sure. How did you do with your? Was it? Did it? Was it? Yeah, no, it was successful. I mean, it was a lot of freaking yeah. work. It was like two or three weeks of work for me to uh, <laughs> to have a uh, hundred corals. You know, WYSIWYG yeah, video. Hats off. hats off to you. I mean, we're doing. I mean, our last live sale, this one tomorrow was 1,200, you know, 1,200 plus uh, corals in five hours uh, that we're doing. And then our net, one of our net, our last one was, um, what, 3,600, 3,600 corals. So it's, it, you can imagine that the work. So trying to do that in video? Ain't happening. Yeah, not happening. <laughs> I mean, if somebody maybe, maybe wants to. Maybe do like the real, the, the cherry, just cherry pick like a, like a hundred of your best and uh the best. yeah do a little uh, live sale i don't know that's just uh food for thought but probably not maybe 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 one the technology um catches up but that's that in itself is a lot of work um, um we're we're not incredibly i mean we're we're i've got a great video team um i've got my uh filmography guy and then my photographer also does some great sound he does sound work and all that but to try and you know do that live feed is uh that's a different that's a different yeah. ball game as, as you know. yeah um, so it's not something we can tackle quite yet but yeah maybe in the maybe in the future uh it was kind of fun though because you can give that live feed with you know some information about that particular coral yeah. right off the bat which is fun yeah but that said i've got a massive farm um <laughs> you know with you know tens of thousands of frags um and we've got to move it to make sure that we you know keep yeah. moving in our you know because we've got new corals that come online and more and more and more are coming which is pretty I'm exciting telling you, man, you guys gotta you gotta expand the retail locations you gotta uh you gotta you gotta speed up that five-year plan if you got too many of those corals there you know we'll give it a best shot for sure <laughs> i mean that's something. i gotta come visit you guys next time i'm in florida absolutely you know, I, uh, come down I'll give you a tour of myself. It'll be cool. Alex and I give you a tour. Yeah, a tour. You'll be yeah blown away. I, so ran, I ran into Alex. Um, uh, we're talking about Alex Murphy, right? Um, who yep, Alex Murphy. I, I, Originally, I, Fins. Yeah, I I uh, I knew him from House of Fins in Greenwich, Connecticut, and I ran into him at the last uh, rap in in New York, and I was like, wow, that's a familiar face, and, and we just started uh, talking and whatnot, and then I was like, hey, can I get somebody from uh, WWC on the show and and lo and behold, we got uh, we got you, Chris, which was uh, awesome. But uh, yeah, it was great to see Alex, and he just saying just 
awesome, awesome things about uh, worldwide corals, and and it sounds like there's a lot of happy campers there. Yeah, we got. A, I mean, it's seriously a big family. My wife, my wife works here. Um, uh, Vic, his wife works here. Uh, we've got. I, I mean, several. My customer service. Um, my co- main customer service rep, Miley. Uh, her husband uh, is an assistant uh, service maintenance manager. Uh, he's fantastic. So we've got, gosh, five. Uh, our main accountant, his wife is the shipping manager. I mean, it, it's it's a big family. It's absolutely a huge family, which is really hard to do for something this kind of size and not have the, you know, not have the strife and not have the, you know, the the, the backbiting and the, you know, the fighting that you hear with when companies get to, you know, similar sizes when you have family members or so on and so forth, but we really don't have any of that. It's, it's really cool, but we do get kind of, you know, keep our, our departments, you know, reasonably separate retail separate. I, I, you know, a lot of times I won't even see some of the retail guys. Um, you know, maybe I'll see them for 30 seconds in a day while I'm walking through real quick off to my, you know, on the way to the farm. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's an awesome, it's a fantastic family to work for, for sure. So we have a, um, uh, a question that's actually been asked twice. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this question from, um, Mikey's journeys. Would you recommend using a, I'm not sure if you're the right person to ask this question or not, but would you recommend using a BRS 1.1 ML doser to dose cockwasser from a reservoir straight, straight into the tank? Is that, is that a that, question? Yeah, no. I'm not the best question. I, I sit in front of this computer most most days. Um, I have a couple small reefs, but I don't have some of the larger reefs that require dosing. So, um, you know, some of my crew, uh, if you send us an email uh, to contact at Worldwide Corals, I will absolutely find, um, you know, the, the right person for that, you know, to answer that question for you. So, uh, Chris... I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up a little bit. Cause I know you're a really, really busy guy and you're, um, you know, you want to get home at some point tonight. Right. But, um, whatever I, I can talk all, you know, I can, I can, that's something I'm, I'm very good at is, is talking. So <laughs> yeah, you can wrap it up or we can keep going or whatever. My, my wife, uh, she understands. All right, so. folks, you heard him. So if you want to ask more questions to throw it into the chat nope. there. Uh, there's no there's no point cutting this off if folks have questions. Yeah, Absolutely. ask away. I'll I'll ask you a couple more questions myself here, Chris. Sure. Uh, you know, so one of the other things that you're um, you know uh, um, an expert on in terms of is, is coral placement, right? In terms of best place to optimize growth for certain corals. Let's let's talk about um, SPS and and do we want to get into this, the uh, discussion of lighting? You know, in, in terms of what you guys really find to work best in terms of uh, you know SPS and lighting, but uh, so that's a couple of questions rolled into one there. Let's let's first talk about um, placement. What what um, kind of advice would you give folks in terms of placing uh, you know certain SPS? There's obviously different types of SPS that are out there. I mean, it, it, you can't really have a blanket statement for um, for for all SPS because there's so many different varieties. Um, I mean, you you look at deep water, you know, a lot of deep water species. For for example, I brought up. Um, WWC Yoda Agripor, which is, uh, I, I believe it's a like Caroliniana, might be Jacqueline, but I believe it's Caroliniana. That is a deep water species. Um, and deep water is all relative, right? I used to find Caroliniana at about uh, 40 to 60 feet deep. Um, so if you think about a, a foot in the ocean is kind of like what I equated to um, about Let's see. So let me start over. So a foot in the ocean is equivalent to about a centimeter in a reef tank, maybe. 
So if you have 10 feet, you have 10, something that's found, say, 10 feet deep, um, that is probably, you know, several inches, several inches deep because that's getting a lot of light. Now, corals can adjust. So the longer that you have a coral in a reef tank, the easier that it is to adapt to um, a range. But Carolina, for example, there's no way I'd ever recommend or the Yoda, for example, I'd no way ever recommend putting that atop your reef because it is going to bleach out. No matter how you do it, that particular species does not like bright light. Now, something in the um, indifference to say um, some of our higher lights, say like uh, the yellow tips Ostera, that likes a, a bit more light. That would probably be placed at even, and it's been a coral that we've had for quite a long time. That one we place usually midway or a little bit higher. It's a staghorn. But it's not a compact stag, not a compact acropora. So you want to put that a little bit, you know, closer to say a medium. Um, but some of those corals that have say thicker branches, um, you're going to want to put those at a higher because no matter how you do it, that is a high flow, high light, um, you know, acropora. You're definitely going to want to put that at a uh, as high, tall, high in a tank as possible. Well, so um, uh, if if uh, you're ordering from you guys online, you get you get corals online. You know, let's say SPS. And you're getting a uh, a mix of uh, low demand, medium demand, and high demand, you know, light corals. What's the best way to acclimate them to, you know, a tank? It, and let's assume that the lighting is similar in terms of the par that it's generating in the spectrum that it, uh, you have in that tank. How how long of an acclimation process would you suggest? You know, I I always try to work my, um, you know, SPS frags that I order online from the bottom of the tank up in terms of where I want to finally have them, you know, be placed. But what, what kind of um, acclimation period would you suggest for SPS? Well, I, I think the first thing you got to look at is what type of lighting you have over your reef. So if you have something similar to us, similar to what we, uh, the, how we are keeping our, you know, either keeping the, the, the WFC, you know, one of our, um, one of our lighting schedules, um, if you're, if you've got, um, you know, AIs, you've got, um, radions and you're keeping, you know, one of our schedules, like I was just saying, the acclimation period is much less, um, shoot within, within a few days. Sure. Um, but, um, uh, you know, within a week, I'd say, but if you've got something say a little bit, if you're, say you're running Kessels, um, you're running some of the other ver various lighting, you know, Red Sea, whatever, um, you probably want to give it, um, more time. Uh, more a little bit more time for them to adjust and the other thing is you're going to want to look for is uh, those corals um, basically a loss in color uh, browning out I always one thing I've always told folks is that um, judge your corals by whether they're going brown or whether they're going light so if they're going brown um, that means usually normally that they're not getting enough light they're healthy but they're not getting enough light. If they're bleaching, on the other hand, then it usually means they're getting too much light. So, you know, one of the common issues like SPS uh, for beginners is they hear SPS and they think bird's nest, and bird's nest, because it's an SPS, needs to go at the top of the tank. Well, I'm here to tell you that bird's nests don't like a lot yeah. of light. Majority of the species do not. There's a few species that do, but most of the species are found deep. I used to collect, um, in Fiji, I used to collect bird's nests in 30 to 40 feet wow. deep. Water, same with style of a lot of the style of four, same thing. They're found deep, and that equates to basically the bottom third of your reef in most parts. You know, the most 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 cases. Um, now you can't find exceptions, 
Um, but most part, if you do want to, you know, say a stylophora or a bird's nest at the top of your reef, you're going to want to put it at the back of your tank or in a corner where it's not getting, it's still getting some light, but it's not getting the same intensity that it would say in the middle of your reef. Um, so that, that's kind of the example that um, SPS can be kind of tricky because even though you hear SPS, it doesn't always mean that it's going to, it, it's going to want to get blasted by, you know, one uh, by, you know, by the lighting that you have. So I think with the LEDs, for example, uh, if you've got halide, same thing. You got a that's a whole that's a different ballgame. Um, I know a lot of uh, some, not a lot, but I, I know some fee- people still reefers still have halides and they run them for just a, for the for the you know the main peak, the daylight peak, this you know the the, the noontime sun, um, and they run them for three or four hours. That in itself is going to change it. That could probably allow you to drop you know, those corals a little bit further down in your reef and you can have some even higher bright, you know, some of those higher light acropora up, um, you know, further down in your reef. So you can, you can concentrate on those, those, uh, you know, super nice acropora that have all those colors. Let's, um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about LPS. And, um, you know, years ago when the ACANs became so popular, you know, I, I gave them a shot. I mean, they come in so many cool colors, you know, and I just, I just struck out with ACANs a long, long time ago. And I just kind of like had that bad taste in my mouth and I never tried them again. What, what do you guys uh, recommend in terms of lighting and feeding for, for ACANs? And are they, um, you know, as tough to keep these days as they were years ago? Or have we kind of like learned some stuff about them? They are super easy. I love them. I, I love them. And this little ten gallon that I have behind here, it was the it was the WWC contest winner for our ten gallons. And the main probably the main reason is because of our lures. If you look on our Instagram, there's a there's a few posts on this tank, and it's 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 a pretty cool tank. And it really it's super super simple. Um, I've got rubble. I got I don't have a sand base. I got rubble base. Um, I've got various sand. I have. I, the only filtration I have on it is, is, is filter floss. That's it. I do a weekly water change. I would do a 50% water change, um, and I replace the filter floss uh, when I do my water changes. I don't dose. I don't do anything um, so no, no for that. no special food? Nothing. Wow. The only food I did, I actually feed the corals. I feed them with a syringe. This is kind of like uh, one of my seekers. Shh, don't tell anybody. But I actually have a syringe, this tiny syringe. I get some good, uh, good quality um, frozen food, and I, I kind of mix it in a little bowl, smash it up so it's got the consistency of kind of like a pa- like a watery paste. Suck it up in the syringe, turn off the flow, set a timer, and I feed every single mouth. Oh wow! Um, See that I don't you know, have the patience for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you've got a big system, it doesn't it doesn't work as well. Um, and it's more, it's more difficult to do. But that said, if you have a larger system that isn't say SPS dominant, where you keep trying to keep the water too, you know, cause we're still trying to keep our, our nitrates like in this system here, the nitrates are probably, I haven't tested it in probably six months. Um, just because I'm doing those weekly water changes, but it's probably 15, 10 to 15 in there. Uh, phosphates are probably 0. 0.0, you know, point, point 0.1, somewhere yeah. in there, point 0.1, somewhere. Um, depends on, you know, if I lose some snails once in a while, I lose a snail and it'll, you know, crank up a little bit, but then I do my water change and brings it back. But if you, if you have a larger reef tank, um, as long as you're not skimming overly much, maybe one day a week, 
you know, maybe two days a week or just a few hours every day. If you have it on, you know, if you can do it on a timer, um, then you would be, you'll be amazed on, uh, how well your, your, those Lords can do. Cause I mean, I've got heads on the Lords that in this little 10 gallon that are, you know, an inch and a half, two inches in diameter. Um, and they're, you know, fluffy and they move in the flow. They're, they're spectacular. I love them. They're one of my f- absolute well, favorites. To- Just like that's per se, you can get almost as many different color morphs with an Aussie Lord. And there aren't too many other corals like that. Um, yeah, it's pretty neat. That are that easy to keep. So, but I think the key is, uh, is feeding. Because when you do have a larger tank, you can, you can feed more. Um, and because you can feed more um, there and you've got a higher fish bile load, I've got two gobies in this tank. Mm. That's it. I did have a clownfish. It was mean as mean as hell. He would. They, we called them chompers because <laughs> literally, I put my hand in there and he would tear me. He would not happy. And then one day, he you know leapt out of the tank and I fed him crispy and then I fertilized you know one of my <laughs> plants. So uh, with him and rest in peace. But yeah, he did not. He did not like me much. But once you do have a larger tank and you do have all those fish, they assist a ton in feeding those inadvertently feeding those corals because they're giving them because as you know or maybe don't know some of the viewers might not know this but fish are very inefficient at at, um, uh, at digestion they really only digest a, a very small percentage of the food that they intake so a lot of the fish a lot of their fecal material a lot of the, the feces that actually they're expelling they're being deposited in the coral they still have a lot of those nutrients that that fish basically did not they partially digested. Those corals are absorbing a lot of those amino acids, a lot of the nutrients that they need from that food. So that's a way to get around it when you have a larger reef tank. But in a small tank such as this, they don't have that. Obviously, I can't keep that many fish in there. So you have to manually feed those. So that's a way to get around it. As long as you're not blasting them with a ton of, you know, a ton of par and you're not keeping your system too clean um, by over skimming um, and doing, you know, over huge, too huge of water changes. It's important on a system such as this. But not, um, but not, uh, not something I recommend with such a large system. I hear you. You know, another coral that um, has changed for me, at least over the years, is Ganiapora and Alviapora. I remember years and years ago, those used to be like, you know, so cool when you'd walk into the uh, to the LFS. It's like, wow, look at this flower pot coral. That thing is freaking neat, nice, big, fluffy, uh, you know, tentacles. It's kind of like waving in the, uh, in the water there and like you bring it home and then, uh, after a few weeks it starts to deteriorate. And then a couple of months later, it's like dead. But now these days you could buy the, uh, the aquaculture ones and they're so freaking hardy. Different ball game with Ghani's. It's amazing. Actually between Ghani's and Alviapora, it's a different game. And the reason why is remember 10 years ago, the focus was on zero nitrates yeah. and zero phosphates, yeah. zero across the board for all those, uh, you know, for all those types of all those parameters. But nowadays we're not going for that. We're going for, you know, we want phosphate. We want a little bit of phosphate. We don't want over too much, but we want a little nitrates. Um, that's the key. I really believe that's the key. And the other key is we're bring there the the there's different species being imported. The species that back then were still is Ganiopora stokisi were majority of the time with those huge long tentacles, yep. you know, those yep. all Ghanis that you would see for the most part. Those were the ones that really don't, and they still have all. They're not perfect record. They do better, but they're they're not they're not perfect. The others, some of the other species that you get, uh, the quote unquote uh, Bernard, well Bernardopora, the some of the micro Ghanis that we call them. 
uh, some of the other uh, species are going to import tunidin, tunidins, and some of the other species. Uh, um, they they have a much easier time um, with the uh, with the with the not so zero across the board uh, lighting, um, and they seem to adapt relatively well to LEDs, which is pretty cool. I actually have a I have a Ghani in this little ten gallon. It's doing spectacular. It's it's doubled polyps in. I, I put this one actually in late, probably three or four months ago, and it's doing fantastic. Um, so yeah, even in small town, I wouldn't even dare to do that, you know, five, seven, eight years ago, 10 years ago, something like that, uh, because of the horror stories. I hate putting in corals into reef tanks that I know aren't going to yeah. do well, but yeah. now it's a different, it is literally a different ballgame. How that said, I would not start a reef off with that. It, it would, I would definitely recommend for a newcomer, uh, somebody's recently getting into the hobby, not to put it into a tank that's less than a year old. Yeah. I still recommend that. Yeah, you know it's it, it's incredible. I mean, I, I I bought a few frags, um, two frags, one a um, bright green Ganiapora and one a uh, it's actually two different frags of a red uh, Ganiapora, and they've just blossomed to the point where I had to break out the old um, you know bandsaw and cut up some frags, and you know like yep. a week later they're fluffing up. I'm like, they're wow, pulls out again. Yeah, and they're growing around the edge. Spectacular, it's crazy. Yeah, we have. We probably have close to 25, maybe 30 different variety, different color morphs of, of Ganyapura in and around the facility that we're, that we're currently growing out in different display tanks. It's pretty, it's, it's a di absolutely a different pumpkin. It's, it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's, it's a really neat All thing. right, dude. So we got a couple of random questions and I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap sure. it, let you get, uh, hit the road there. But, um, so what, uh, we, Indies Green, what size of the fiberglass tanks do you use in the farm? Uh, we have two. We have a couple different, um, uh, couple different sizes. Uh, we got a six foot by four foot, and uh, I think they're twelve inches deep, and that's for our main part of our farm. And then we've got uh, the six foot by three foot, by I think ten inches deep in our in our aquaculture side. Um, and gallons wise, I think they're the ones in the farm aquaculture side. I think are like around one fifty. This is off the top of my head now. And then the ones in the uh, main part of the farm, um, they are 500, I believe. So um, 500 gallons each. So we've got, I think, 30,000, 30, 30, 30, over 30,000 gallons here worldwide now. Wow. Uh, total water volume, which is which is pretty amazing. Um, just a couple of comments about, I mean, perhaps, um, this is a funny screen name, Men Wear Pink. STG4. I don't know what that stands for. What happened to Reefer Madness? Question mark. So I think we talked about Reefer Madness. That just kind of eventually went by the wayside, right? It did. It got. It was sold while I was in Fiji, and and then just uh, those who per bought it. Um, and as, as a lot of times, the the whole feel of the of the business just kind of changes, and the 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 functionality, the the management, the the, you know, it, it was our, you know, blood and guts that went into it. And it's hard to replicate. A lot of these businesses that keep, that require so much um, intellectual property um, and, and your whole way of looking at things changes uh, once it's sold. And it's, it's almost impossible to replicate that. And this same thing kind of happened with this. It just, they didn't have the same, the same passion for it, the same, and it just kind of disappeared after about it. I think it finally died about 
after our first about a year and a half when when we were in Fiji, it just finally just died out. So another um, question from Mason McLean. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Is it normal to see very limited growth in the first year of starting a tank? My Zoas have yet to grow additional polyps, and they've been in my 25-gallon tank for seven months. They're purple pe people eaters. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, um, it, it takes, just like I was saying earlier in, uh, in the podcast here, it's, it can take up to two years for, for tanks to really start blossoming. Now, Zoas, usually you can get grow, you know, growing, but like the same thing. When I was talking about feeding the lords, I don't stop there. I actually feed zoves. I feed, you know, I feed the euphelia in the tank. I feed blastomusa. I feed, you know, the discosoma, uh, rhodactis. Uh, it's amazing what you can feed, um, and they will take it. They will take it. Some actually have to learn. The corals actually learn to eat. Zoanthids are no different. Uh, you would be amazed if you just take a little tiny bit, not over, not overly much, but just a little tiny bit, like the size of, like a size of a grain of salt, uh, like rock salt size of a grain of rock salt and fed that to the zoanthids if it's a good quality frozen food not pellets i don't like pellets for feeding feeding corals just because it's so there's so too much nutrients um in, in, in a single in a single grain of uh, a, a single uh, a pellet but if you can do it for like i was mentioning earlier with the you know with the food uh mixing it up and you feed that little bit right into the zoo you'd be incredible that it's amazing what kind of nutrients do those corals get in the wild um they, they take up more plankton at night. Their feeders, lot, all sorts of marine snow falls onto those corals and they, they, they absorb it. They take it in and you can increase that growth rate tenfold if you keep that up. Don't overfeed though. You can't do it more than, you know, I'd say I don't do any more than twice a week. Even then that's pushing it. Once a week is sufficient. Any, any recommendations on the frozen food to, uh, to feed? I, I mean, we do. We make our own food here at Worldwide. It's not something we sell. Um, if you, uh, but that's something uh, you can look online. I think Reef uh, Reef uh, Reef to Reef has a couple different recipes. Um, you, know, you can make at home. Uh, they're yeah. fantastic. You get a little reefroids. You know, polyp polyp lab reefroids. Um, you get some clams or mussels. Um, you get some, you know, uh, reasonable frozen fish. Um, some like to use tilapia, but there's not a whole lot of, uh, nutrients in tilapia, um, or, you know, whatever you can find. I wouldn't recommend catfish too much, but, um, you know, some of the other, you know, some saltwater cod, like cod, um, some of the other fish that are f f freshly frozen that, um, and make your own, um, get a, you know, pasteurize, um, you know, pasteurizer or good, you know, good quality, uh, blender, uh, blended up to a, a very, uh, good mushy consistency. And you can, you can, you know, you can feed your fish, but uh, sorry, your corals with it. Um, but yeah, there's a few, there's a good, you know, the well-named, the well-known named, um, frozen food. Uh, they're all, you know, they're all good. Those that have been around for a long time, they're, you know, they're, they're good and that they they work perfectly for that. Yeah. I tell you, my, um, my SPS dominant, uh, tank, my established system, I have a, um, I feed my fish like four or five times a day. So I don't target target feed any of the LPS in that tank, and there's you know I've got some Ganiapora, I've got a whole I've got a whole ton of zoanthids that are just carpeting the bottom of that tank, and they're just growing like weeds. And I think it's just you know feeding the fish so often, they're just yep, it's exactly you know, that's that's what what's helping out. So that's exactly. with a large yeah large reef tank like that, that's exactly what you need. Yeah, um, gotta have the you gotta have the fish load to be able to feed those feed those corals. But when you don't have that choice in a smaller reef. 
then you know feeding is the is the absolutely the way to go in my yeah, maybe i could throw a couple of acans in there and give them a shot i would do yeah. it i would for sure yeah. especially yeah. some of the named ones um you know that have been around for you've known for a while um i mean we've got a few you know some of the, you know some of the other uh companies out there uh, same thing if you've seen them for a while and they, there's strains that have been around um and they've adapted to the you know to the leds and they're not being imported you know often and chopped and then you know that kind of thing you'll be you'd be amazed on how well you could do it i would take that leap there Keith. all right i'll uh I'll, i'm gonna i'm gonna take that advice and and uh, you know go for it i think um all right so we got one uh one last question we'll uh we'll field here from brinks 128 question for chris how many inches of the lights from the top of the tank water line especially your 500 gallon tank and why so high from the recommended height on the 500 uh the old 500 let's see and now, the lights are pretty high up on the 1200 too right they're pretty high up well 1200 is yeah shoot that's almost four feet um but that's a big tank um it's one it's one way to actually assist in blending the light you know within an led the the higher it up the higher it is above the reef tank the the, the more chance there is for those for those spectrum for those light those color beams to blend so that is one benefit of it um but yeah uh we had it high basically for that exact thing is that we we want to make sure that we're if you're too intense it becomes too focused and you're not getting the spread that you need in um in a, in a larger reef tank um so that that's the main that's the main reason even over our raceways and our farm i think they're they're three feet above the floor, and that's the same same kind of idea. We don't want too many because we have, depending upon the coral in these in these raceways, depicts the intensity and the and the actual uh, lighting spectrum, the intensities on each of the spectrums that we we have over them. So they're all different SPS systems to LPS systems to softies. Uh, flow flow is different. Flow is amazingly important, much more important than than is uh, given credit for. Almost more important in some cases the light. Um, so, you know, you have to juggle all those things. So, um, you know, that comes with, you know, time and wisdom and, you know, trial and error, unfortunately, um, you know, backing up your systems, quarantining your corals. I mean, all those things are very important in, in, in reef keeping, um, uh, so much so that, you know, that I can't say enough about, you know, quarantine systems, well, for fish, having a separate quarantine system for fish, even if you're getting corals from us, even if you're getting corals from anybody, um, and the same with fish. Uh, having a quarantine system is, is unbelievably important. All right, man. I think those are great uh, words to end on. Some great advice, uh, Chris. Any uh, any uh, other final thoughts that you want to throw out there? No. no, I mean I appreciate having me. You know, having me on. It's you know it's great to um, you know to bounce uh, you know bounce these bounce these ideas and you know and um, having this uh, opportunity and hopefully uh, able to you know educate some folks out there. I mean that's our. That's Worldwide Coral's main goal is to, you know, is to make sure that, uh, that you know, you have an educated uh, reefer that stays in the hobby. That's the most important thing because we got to protect these reefs somehow, whether it be in our, you know, always my hope because I'm, I'm, they call me Captain Planet here, you know, at Worldwide Corals because I recycle every damn thing that I possibly can um, and to the point where I annoy people. Um, but um it, it's it's just so important that we try to do our, our main goal is to make sure that we're protecting these reefs one way or another. And by us being as sustainable as possible with, you know, growing these corals out and farming these corals out, um, it, it's, it, it just, I just want to make sure that that's, that's the main goal. Um, whomever is selling corals to make sure that, 
we can do this for years and years because these these corals are i mean to me they're everything i mean i just they mean so much and for us to be able to 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 make sure that the new people getting into the hobby and that we're growing this industry to the possible you know to the point where you know they're not having the the, the fails that we used to have um you know the making sure that everything is backed up, making sure that everything's quarantined, making sure that, you know, you've got your, you know, your battery backups for your system or your generators or so on and so forth. So you can, you, you don't have those, you know, those crashes that, you know, you've heard so many nightmares about. Yeah, that that's, the, that's the goal. And to produce a coral that can adapt to any reef tank um, is, is, is our ultimate goal. Um, and make sure that they're, 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 they're easily adaptable. They keep the color and, and the customers are, We'll, we'll keep, you know, the, the reefer will keep growing with us. That's the main, that's the main thing. Well, Chris, man, that, uh, I appreciate your, uh, your passion for the, uh, for the hobby and, and some great info passed along tonight. So it's just, you know, on behalf of all the viewers, I wanted to thank you again for, uh, for taking the time of being with us and, uh, love to have you back on again at some point down the road. Absolutely. So, I'd, yeah. I still yeah, had a ton it. of questions I didn't even get to, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll save that yeah, for another like show. Like I said, I'm kind of long-winded, I mean, but um, as long as there's some information that can be gleaned out there, then that's that's all I care about. All right, about. man. Well, thanks again. So my next live stream is going to be uh, Thursday, September 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I've got Richard back on from the Aficionado channel. So, oh, right. yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're actually going to be talking about the clean waterways project that he's involved with. Oh, very yeah, cool. So we're awesome. going to be digging into that awesome. a little bit. And that's that's taking place in Florida. So until then, um, be safe, be well. Should be another great show. And we will see you next time. And uh, my birth, my wife's birthday is also on September 2nd. So well, I'm sure uh, that yeah. this is the last thing she's going to be doing is watching rapping with Reefum on her birthday. But <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try to remember to wish her a happy birthday, though. Nice. All right. Well, thank you, Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Chris, man.